summer is over. <laughs> Winter is here. You guys, it's Andy's girls. What a day. What a journey. So I have to say, I got the screener for Salt Lake a couple weeks ago, and I did not watch it. And that was <laughs> partly because I was procrastinating because, you know, what is time? That's something that I'm sure Jen Shaw and I can agree is really just an idea, figment of our imagination at the end of the day. Um, and I also honestly, if I'm being perfectly honest, was not super looking forward <laughs> to watching it. I don't remember how I felt watching the trailer for the upcoming season. I always I, I try to do live reactions for Patreon. So there's one up on the AG page when that came out of me just being like, what just happened? Um, reacting to it for the first time. And I have to tell you that I just have felt not necessarily uneasy, but really just honestly disconnected from or maybe truly in denial that Salt Lake was coming back, you guys. <laughs> I was going to have to talk about it. And I had some concerns or maybe you could call it advanced advanced frustration that we were going to be sitting down and watching an episode that sort of cleared the wrongs of members of the cast not named Jen Shaw that we essentially skipped over at the reunion um, and go straight into New Beginning. And that can happen, but it does also remove some of the stakes of like, what happened to that tension when I wanted to hold you accountable, but there was other shit going on? And I'm not going to say that that didn't happen, because it did. But I will say that um, I watched the season premiere twice today, and I had a very different experience watching it the second time than I did the first. Because the first time that I watched it, I was still holding on to the fact that like, I don't want to be doing this. And I am essentially a housewives completionist, except for that one COVID season of Orange County that I was like, this looks so bad, I'm not going to do it. Uh, uh, and within that, I don't um, include any kind of like spinoff series. So I fell off, uh, I guess, toward the beginning of Girls Trip season three and was like, this is bad television. I'm annoyed. Um, I do not want to continue this. And so I shall not. But overall, with Housewives franchises, and also because, <laughs> lol, <laughs> I host a podcast about Housewives psychology, it's always helpful when, you know, kind of unpacking a person's behavior to have an awareness of at least the history that's been shown on TV. But I have to say that if I didn't have Andy's girls, I probably I would say surely would watch the Salt Lake City premiere, but it probably wouldn't be the week that it aired. I think I would have maybe given myself a couple more days to just be in denial and maybe be spoiled. Like this is one of those moments where I'm like, honestly, maybe seeing posts and memes that content creators would put up might have inspired me to check out the show or just been like, oh, okay, other people are having fun. So we are in a fun space now. Um, so I watched the premiere once this afternoon and I was like, okay, <laughs> I feel weird about this. Like I wasn't, I wasn't connected to it. 
And then I let several hours go by. I have my spindrift in front of me. I mean, it's not quite a Lisa Barlow approved 44 ounce Diet Coke. What is it? Light ice, extra lemon, whatever the fuck. Some Kit Kat bars call it a day. It's not exactly Lisa B's beverage of choice, but I just needed to have a little bit of a time and a little bit of a refresher. And I said to myself, Sarah, have a new beginning in your in your head, in your heart. And knowing, because you quite literally watched the premiere hours prior, give yourself the chance to watch it again. So I just sat down and I watched the premiere a second time. And I have to tell you, it was a much more enjoyable experience <laughs> the second time than the first. And I guess you could kind of have that experience with any number of housewife style events. Maybe it's having a conversation about a housewife who you like fucking detest. And it's just you have to kind of get the bluster out of your system. Not to say it's not valuable or warranted, or even if it's not either of those two things that, you know, you certainly believe. Sometimes it's okay to just like get rid of the bile of it all spiritually and then feel like, okay, I said the thing, I understood that I felt it, and now I'm going to watch again and not necessarily have the baggage of whatever the opposite of expectation would be. Maybe like not so great expectations, like knowing that, okay, I know I felt this way and I still feel some a certain kind of frustration with some of the people who remain in this cast and certainly someone who is no longer there. But let me just watch this as the show that it is and give myself honestly a little bit of a break of like, let's just kind of experience it. And I have to tell you, I had much more fun the second time around. So I would assume that the majority of the audience watching probably feels maybe the way I felt the second time versus the first. I am sure there is still a part of the Bravo audience that's watching that and was like, I don't know, maybe I'm still kind of feeling things about that reunion. Because honestly, when I was watching the first and the second time, there were moments where I was thinking to myself, like, I know I really hate Angie. (laughs) Just like she's kind of, you know, she's there's just something about her that drives me fucking insane, but like in a comical way, too. And so I know that there are things from the reunion that maybe made me extra nuts, let alone the season itself. And it's one of those instances where I felt so much anger about the reunion that I have absolutely blocked in my head specific instances of what drove me up a fucking wall. Like you would have to listen to those AGs from that time because I have literally no memory of the specifics because I think I was in such a kind of like rage tantrum spiral that I blocked it out of my head. So it is one of those oddities in watching the episode that there were moments where I was like, oh man, I know that person did something during the reunion or during last season that absolutely is super contradictory to whatever narrative that they're setting now, but I don't remember a lot of the specifics, but I do just have that sense memory of frustration. But also, I felt so tapped out 
certainly during the first time I watched the um, the premiere and definitely the way that I felt at the end of the season that I'm just really, really thankful and appreciative. <laughs> I took a little bit of a break and watched again um, because I had some thoughts, but I also have some questions. Number one, what the fuck happened on May 10th that I guess affected Heather in finding out while on the cast trip in Bermuda? And well, not to start the episode of Andy's Girls with a little bit of a conspiracy theory or theory, depending on how you want to market what I'm about to say about the beginning of the premiere, but I have to be very honest that I watched that moment a couple times and something about, and I would love to be wrong. I don't think I am, but I would love to be wrong. Normalize changing your mind based on new information that there was something about the ways that Heather was expressing her upset, the ways that production was like opening the doors. It was giving me Vogue 73 questions. There was something about it that was like forced informality where I'm like, oh, this is just happening. Nobody had any idea what was to come that that felt staged. Now, I am not that person at all in any way who's like stuff was just made for TV in terms of like this whole storyline was produced and all of this is a lie. And certainly there are instances where cast members are self-producing, but the idea of an episode of Housewives ending like the series finale of The Hills is not necessarily in line, I think, with the reality of this form of reality TV. That being said, there is that element of self-producing that certainly happens of housewives thinking that they are making a moment and Heather Gay has become a little bit of an unfortunate expert in that area. But the way that she was responding to things and the tenor of her voice, I was just thinking to myself, first off, literally what happened on that date in May, did a little goog, looked up, you know, Alta Vista asking Jeeves and whatnot, and couldn't find anything aside from like Jen Shaw, you know, first pictures of Jen in prison, living her best life, waiting for Liz Holmes. Like I didn't, I, I didn't see anything major that happened, which is somewhat of a relief considering other breaking news that has come out of Salt Lake in, in seasons past. So there was a moment where I was just kind of like befuddled of what actually could have occurred during this time that we're being led to believe is likely referencing something involving Jen. I, I couldn't connect those dots, but also something about that moment felt very, very flat to me where I was just like, I get it artistically. I see what you're doing. We're we're making cinema, guys. We're making movies. We're making a film. Like I I get the drama of it, and I'm sure that got a huge reaction from people in watching it. But my gut instinct was like something about this feels very off, just from the perspective of like me needing to believe Heather in that moment that she's really upset and finding out something for the first time, and. I guess that takes me into the feeling that I have had about Heather, which is that 
in many ways to me when she joined Housewives, when she joined this illustrious crew, she was to me like the breakout of breakout stars. She immediately from the jump and beginning of Salt Lake until last season was an absolute part of my top five. I felt incredibly connected to her. I really liked her. Those two things don't always align. There was a way that she was absolutely a spiritual housewife, a counter in many ways to the ways that I feel connected to Shannon Bador. Heather very much felt connected to reality. Like she was the voice of the audience in a way that felt genuine and also appropriate for the next generation of housewives, housewives who come to the show as as true fans. And the way she carried herself in press interviews was always really funny and charming. And it was like hook, line, and sinker. I was 100% um, an absolute Heather stan. And I, like some people, not all Heather stans, but I would say a, a relatively significant audience which there were glimpses of this in some of the like ADR added in. Um, and I was trolled on social media, things that she didn't actually say in film scenes that they added after the f- after the fact, which you can tell in the difference of how the audio is added and how it's different from the speech that she's giving at that point. It happened, I think, two times in the episode. But it, there was just a little break that a lot of us had with Heather because I feel like she fell into a trap that many people have. You could call it the second year curse that happened to her a season later, where a person is so enveloped with the affection and adoration that they have received, maybe from media, maybe from Andy, maybe from appearances on Watch What Happens Live, certainly from the fan community, that they can do no wrong. And I think for Heather, it became difficult to um, differentiate the differences bet- between decisions I disagreed with that she made because of maybe e- because of maybe experiences she had in her life and disconnecting from the church and the ways that she held on to her relationship with Jen Shaw, however toxic, and sort of this belief and uh, around perfection, including her own role as a friend and not wanting to ever be the person to walk away, which was obviously a huge break from how she treated Jen versus Whitney. But there were glimpses of Heather's imperfections that I understood and was fine to acknowledge because we are all inherently imperfect and broken. That's the whole point of Housewives to me is to have the opportunity to really sit down and examine people's behaviors and reasons for doing that. And through the Housewives machine, the influence of celebrity and fame and this this LOL, quote unquote, niche community that's really become anything but, and also our own inherent humanity, which often can lead us to make decisions we might regret, but like all the better for us to talk about it in our own interpretations. And it became incredibly difficult for me to watch active choices that Heather was making last season and her ability to double down and refusal to acknowledge. And she was doing so to me, my opinion, one that people are more than um, uh, absolutely of every right to disagree. But 
this whole storyline, which was an editorial mistake, um, but also one that I thought was a significant, significant, um, frustrating kind of plot line and arc of explicitly saying that her cast members were involved in some sort of conspiracy around her possibly being involved in possibly being a victim of some sort of violent act or something else occurring. And then using that concept and distorting it, making fun of it, saying, if you buy my book, you'll find out what happened when fans were frantically asking if she was okay. Like the idea of creating a universe of unsafety as a way to even stop members of her cast from asking questions to Jen for her saying in that bathroom on the trip, like, oh, I'll just bring up my eye and they'll shut the fuck up. Like, that's not a direct quote, but there were several examples of really poor decisions that Heather made both during the show, on the show, during the reunion, which didn't make sense, and also on her book tour when she was saying production always knew, the network always knew, but the thing is we couldn't really tell anybody what actually happened because it was like an Airbnb and there was a a rental problem, um, which someone took a video of at one of her book signings. Like, it was just a reliance on, I don't know how to get out of this thing. And the ways that I positioned it as a form of drama and a to be continued was potentially a bad decision. And I don't know how to move on. So she doubled down in a variety of ways, all of which were contradictory from the next, and created an environment where it felt like the impact of this was making light on a concern that many people had that was around the fact that something might have happened involving a violent situation and act, potentially involving someone in the cast. I mean, that is ultimately not a laughing matter. And as certainly the network is going to be navigating questions about consent, absolutely, as they have in other franchises, and obviously questions about what the fuck happened on Ultimate Girls Trip season four, but now five, but now who the fuck knows when it's going to air, involving um, Caroline Manzo. I, I just don't... I don't, and Brandy, I just don't know. I didn't know what to do with that. And I was so filled with so much like anger toward Heather for making these decisions. And when you think about it, I think also there was a part of it where I was just kind of really upset at myself because <laughs> it felt like I was investing so much. <laughs> In her, I mean, she entered the scene and I was like, I'm in love. <laughs> like she entered the scene and I was like, that's my girl. If I was ever on Housewives, I would be her. I would hope I would be her. I would want to be her. She is everything that I think a great housewife and next generation new housewife could be. And then she made a decision that I so truly could not understand and then never held herself accountable. And Heather always came across as this person who took responsibility for her actions where it's like there was an 
an ability, I think, for her to understand opinions outside of her own and be able to take on a critique and at least just listen to it. And I think because the situation was so fucked, it or because maybe at this point she had become and she was also selling a book and going on a book tour and trying to figure out how to remain the representative of so much positivity and goodwill that a lot of people felt and some people were struggling with it at that point that I think for her it was like she made a bad investment in how to figure out maintaining the positivity that a lot of people felt about her on the show which was sort of turning a little bit not only because of the eye stuff but obviously because of her unwillingness to hold Jen Shaw to account and it's like the investment here when you think about toxic friendships or toxic circumstances certainly any number of people can acknowledge moments in which you know i felt like I needed to be here to support this friend, to defend them, whatever else. And then maybe we have a conversation behind closed doors. And yet the stakes with this were so unbelievably high because we were were talking about a woman who committed a series of shockingly vile federal crimes. I mean, I was there for the Jen Shaw sentencing, for the schadenfraude of it all, and was in the courtroom Um when she was sentenced, it was a very odd day. I mean, I was next to her and coach right there with the kids, um, was with her when I was like picking up my bag and phone, which we weren't obviously allowed to uh, bring in to the actual courtroom itself. And she was just like standing there in coach's arms and just it, it was to me a very serious day, obviously. But then I'm watching these episodes in this reunion and I'm seeing the ways that really no one connected to Jen, even when Jen's not around, is willing to hold her to account in a way that felt appropriate. And it was like the biggest blind spot in the world of how can we not acknowledge that this thing happened? Is it just because we don't know how to acknowledge it? Because this is triggering other things from our life? Because Jen is fucking terrifying and she's not yet left for camp? Because we don't want someone in the cast we're feuding with who is a former friend to feel like they are in the right? Like There are any number of ways to disseminate that. But at the end of the day, I think ultimately the thing that I found most frustrating was trying to deal with the fact that like how much of the Heather that I loved was Heather, I I would argue it was Heather, versus how much of the Heather that I loved was a projection of this person who wouldn't always make the right decision, but sort of understood the ways in which she chose wrong, which isn't about choosing Jen. It's about like all of these other decisions that she made specific to her behavior on and off camera, and including in talking about her decisions that left me feeling really uncomfortable because I think it was like a very canny window into another aspect of Heather. So at the end of the day, it's like, not necessarily that the Heather that I fell in love with doesn't exist anymore. It's just that with any number of people, myself included, there are many different Sarahs that exist. It doesn't mean that 
you know, she's not funny and fabulous, but it does also mean I can absolutely act like a piece of shit. So it's like, <laughs> in understanding that, obviously the stakes are very different with me potentially being in a bad mood <laughs> versus the consequences of some of Heather's behavior because the scale is so much bigger and people obviously have a much greater, probably longer opinion because they've been watching it for 30 episodes. So I think for me in watching the premiere episode, it was a chance for me to just kind of like take a breath and say, okay, you got a lot of fucking, you were pissed AF at her for her behavior last season. There are still remaining questions that I have about her decisions that I don't think she will ever discuss sort of understandably because if many of us feel that certain decisions were made for certain reasons. I don't know that that is something that she would ever come close to admitting. But also, maybe this is just the thing of like, for some people, not all Heather stands, God bless. But for a significant number of them, I think it's with last season and now just kind of an opportunity or an understanding that like, okay, you know, maybe I thought of her in a, a certain way. Maybe I then normalized changing your mind based on new information. Not always a good thing. Um, when you get that info, what happens as a result, maybe this is an opportunity to understand that the best of Heather and worst of Heather might well absolutely exist. And sometimes they can exist at the absolute same time. So if this person is much cannier and much more strategic than I thought she was, I was giving her the absolute like highest break at many points because I honestly felt a little bit in love with it was like, you know, I was like, oh, Heather Gay, like new best friend. When it comes to your spiritual housewife, I really genuinely had a lot of affection for her um, and for the ways that she was representing herself. And then when that turned and shifted in a way that I was really, really sort of horrified by Maybe it's just the understanding that like, okay, she went one way here, another way there. And let's just understand that both of those can exist in parallel. And let's see what decisions she's made moving forward. I think that's a relatively healthy path to go down that does not make me feel as a podcaster, Bravo viewer, whatever, like a total dirty bird in watching these episodes. I don't want to carry the frustration that I had last season. I don't want to do it. It was not healthy. It's not sustainable. <laughs> so, and that's not an enjoyable experience to be like, oh, I was just pissed at her for so long because of XYZ. Like, let's also figure out a way to focus on the here and now. But also, when it came to the beginning of that episode, maybe it's because of the history of like questions that I have about Heather's choices, that there was something about that intro to the app that relied on us trusting that Heather felt a certain way. That is what it is, but also felt inauthentic and off. So that's a little bit of a to be continued. That's a little bit of a like, who the fuck knows what that is about and what's going to happen. But I think figuring out a way to still enjoy this show and appreciate and enjoy Heather is not a bad thing. I think that's actually incredibly helpful. And also Heather's in a different position. She's got the new fucking house. She's got all that New York Times bestseller money. She sort of is talking about the fact that she's under scrutiny because things happen to her versus 
again, her really being clear and saying less things. It's less about things that just happened to me versus my actual role and choices to how I responded to events. That is the missing piece that I think will continue. And that's where, again, the idea of the two Heathers moving forward in parallel is to me, a valid and <laughs> worthwhile journey, at least for me to go on, because there are still moments where I'm like, okay, <laughs> we're still believing that Heather at the end of the day is a witness and witness alone. And I mean, obviously, there are other witnesses in the cast that we will get to shout out Monica. But I, I think some of this responsibility, we're not yet seeing the self-actualization of it all. And there was also an element later on in the episode where I was like, oh, fuck, this is why Mary Cosby is gonna make an impact while she's a friend. Because there was a moment where Heather said something along the lines of like, I wasn't really that attached to Jen. It was she was just the idea of us being close or us having a very close relationship was actually projected onto me by other people. And Mary was like, no, that's not true. <laughs> in that moment. And Heather tried to skirt it again. And Heather and, and Mary was like, nope, still wrong. <laughs> still a lie. Which I appreciated because it pushed Heather in a way that you didn't necessarily need to feel guilty about um, for maybe a second ago trying to get out of any kind of idea of accountability or acceptance about responsibility that Heather is responsible for bearing, not necessarily on Jen's behalf, but because of Heather's own decisions and actions where I was like, okay, this is why we need a counter. This is why we need somebody who knows that in that moment, and again, no judgment, safe space, but she felt like a it felt like she was full of shit. And in that moment, she was like, you know what? You're right. And here we go. Where it's, you know, let's remove some of the shame here. Okay. If we're thinking that every single moment is representative of how we feel and how we're being portrayed and how other people are going to perceive us, I mean, would be great to perform a little bit of um, taking responsibility versus just like things happened and then I felt bad and then other people were mean and on we went. It's nice to have those kind of moments and counters. But um, overall, into it was. Uh, happy to see it. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. 
Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really try truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obvs. Introducing Home Threads where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. I don't know truly what to say about, about Mary. Um, her son might be married. Her son is calling his girlfriend his wife, and she hasn't had a chance to ask him about that. I mean, what's happening? Her husband was in Vegas for six months. This I understood. <laughs> the producer was like, how was that? <laughs> there was just this far off look in Mary's eyes of, it was nice. You know, I, I, I understood it. Um, you know, obviously, if there are two Heathers, there are 12 Marys. And 
to see these moments where she's just kind of conciliatory or just kind of expressing appreciation for being in the room where it happens, including if that room is directly (laughs) next to a snowball fight she wants absolutely no part of. And I do not begrudge her for that because those snowballs can be fucking hard. Like, I don't want a snowball made by an expert. I want a snowball made by a six-year-old. I don't want, I don't need that kind of ice. Um, But there was that moment where Lisa Barlow is like reading all of the terrible things that I really do feel like Mary sent to her in a Google sheet of like, these are the words I'm just pulling from every avenue I possibly can to drag you to absolute hell and back. Blessed be, by the way. And um, she's just saying all this shit, including something along the lines of like, you will kill people <laughs> from your tequila. Shout out Vita. And then you, the editor shifted to a confessional where Mary's saying like, it's, it was so nice to see Lisa. It was great. I mean, listen, I don't know, as far as morality politics, how we go about trying to have the conversation of should Mary be back on our screens? But while she's here, fuck, I mean, there is a little bit of a je ne sais quoi that's mixed with absolutely what the fuck is happening that does add that extra energy. And it is also a little bit, it, it is. it does feel a little bit connected to the idea of, um, I don't know, this is a terrible comparison, but here we go. Almost the idea of like the ways that Housewives of Salt Lake City feels like it's playing house in some of these friendships. Like, do I think that Heather and Whitney want to be friends again because they miss their friendship after all of the shit that they said about each other? And again, I didn't see all of Girls Trip, but I was there at the Girls Trip panel at BravoCon. I was there at the Salt Lake City panel at BravoCon. The Salt Lake City panel at BravoCon was for all intents and purposes. And I was seated at a row. It was like a a bunch of us content creators losing our fucking minds. It was so much better than the Salt Lake City reunion could ever dream to be. And it was, in fact, it felt like a reunion. It was one of the craziest, wild... (laughs) live events, a true, genuine live event that was so heated and so pure, at least when it came to the rage that people on the stage had with each other, that was unbelievable to watch, let alone be in the presence of seeing these people, however, feet away from us at the time. I mean, it's funny and fun, I guess, to like see the ways. And, and it's nice, right? New beginnings, hashtag whatever, to see the ways that some of these cast members are trying to repair their relationships. But knowing everything that all of us at home know about what these women have said to each other on social, on Watch What Happens, interviews, just by the very nature of the absolute um, anger that we can see in their eyes. The fact that many of them are from one to 10 or at like a 32 when it comes to, I don't ever want to fuck with you again. Um, certainly Meredith v. Lisa, Heather v. Whitney. <sighs> Who else is there? Angie versus the other one. I don't even know. K H H. I mean, really, truly M. Was there an M? I forget. Um, Jen Shah versus her ghost. Like there was 
a lot of true upset that some of these kind of duos had with each other that sure in the nature of housewives does that force you at many points to like look at this person who was a genuine close friend potentially god forbid even before you started filming who then became a little bit of a foe an enemy whatever and you feel like you are in a position where you have to come back and meet them, maybe not even in the middle, but at a different point in order to push forward your job and future storyline and whatever else. I mean, stakes in repairing a relationship are, I think, set with intention. If you don't feel like people really give a shit about each other, that's a difficult journey to go on when surely a lot of the season is going to be focused on you either repairing your relationship or it becoming much worse. And so in watching the ways that Heather and Whitney were interacting and Lisa and Meredith were interacting and there did seem to be a little bit of a sense of like, and we're back. And you know what? Time has gone by. And and it has. And you could argue that these women understand that it would be better for them to repair some of this because there's some reputational damage that might be helped by saying to this person you were just screaming at however many months or weeks prior, um, if you see enough of a future in me, then so can the fans, at least in terms of like, liking me again, it can be uh, a, a actual absolute kind of like friendship style transaction that takes place that can help both parties. But the ways that like, I don't know, Lisa, did I say, I, I might have fucked up some of those names, by the way, but you know what I'm talking about. The ways that Lisa and Meredith and Whitney and Heather, apologies if I fucked up some of the names. This is where like the brain episode from last year becomes really helpful and gluing together various people and in, in ways that I wish it didn't. Um, but when I was looking at the dynamics between Meredith and Lisa and Heather and Whitney, there was the sense of like, okay. We're moving on full steam ahead. I don't know how much of this I believe, but listen, we're we're picking up and we're moving on at a place that wasn't great when it comes to how last season ended. So let's just give it to them. It's like the stakes aren't big. Salt Lake City, do I think it's going to have like the best season of all time? No. Is it a little bit in a, a, a is it in a little bit of like a reputation management healing recovery zone right now? Yeah, if I'm being honest. And am I okay with kind of going on that journey? I am. I have to tell you, I I am. There is, though, when it comes to upset, some stuff that gave me a little bit of a pause, most especially Meredith being mad at Whitney for having over the course of a New York Post interview, throwing a couple jabs her way when it came to that incredibly uncomfortable, cringe, Tamara and Eddie style bathtub scene, except in this one, Seth was making jokes about his balls. Like, I don't ever want to go back there. It was gross. It did feel dirty. Am I, does that mean I'm saying that Meredith doesn't use, you know, Clorox, Clorox to, you know, wash her tub? Like, LOL, first off, that she's the one doing the cleaning. But I mean, no, 
can you really make that argument that Whitney is saying that her life is dirty? Really? Are we really supposed to believe that that's why Meredith is mad? I mean, she makes the argument that this is representative of the many jabs that Whitney has thrown her way, and this is just the one she's focused on. But there was also another moment where she was like, you know, when it was almost as bad, like at least at this point, she didn't come for my kids or something like that, where I was like, are we really, we're extending this from like your choice to attempt to film a love scene with your husband? Have you met Seth? Like, we're pretending this was the notebook in a tub. This was not a great American romance. This was both of you making dirty jokes to each other and them filming it. And then us having a cheeky little throwback when you're in the tub on that trip. Like, I I get it. Like, you are connected to your tub and I love that journey for you. Like, Surely wash and cleanse yourself of the dynamics you still can't fully disconnect from when it came to your defenses of Jen Shaw, which we also saw in the premiere episode. Um, Did I think that was a little bit of a reach? Yes, 100%. Did I believe that Meredith believed it? I don't know that Meredith, if Meredith actually did believe that she was this upset that this person was saying like, LOL to that scene after obviously oiling up with Justin in her own weird cringe moment. Really? Like, I don't think this is showing Whitney as like the secret, you know, mastermind of trying to bring down Meredith Marks. Like, sweetie, I don't, I don't see that journey for you. And if you're going to push this forward this season, I'm not quite sure how long that's going to go, except I'm guessing Heather's into it. So there's that. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I did also um, really enjoy Winnie's had some like sharp confessionals so far. She said something along the lines of like, I wouldn't make a joke about your dirty house because I don't know what vacation rental you're staying in. And shots fired. It was it it landed perfectly. Angie should take some lessons before she continues with her theatrical career when it comes to filming these confessionals and certainly <laughs> saying lines that don't feel like they're coming from within. Um, but I was I was into that moment. Whitney, I don't know. I feel like this season seemingly isn't going to go well for her. I guess there's allegedly some sort of turn that happens between Whitney and Lisa and I guess a continuation of Whitney v. Heather and obviously Meredith v. Whitney is in progress that does not feel entirely deserved. But here we are. I mean, Lisa had her moments um, talking about Jack going on a mission and him hiding that from her and seeing her in her moment at Sundance doing whatever with whatever. I mean, I love Lisa's energy. I think it's so kinetic. It's also she is such a different kind of housewife than housewives that I have seen of recent. And she just feels like a singular kind of personality and genuinely makes me laugh where I just have this feeling of like I sort of don't really care what she does. She's just so enjoyable to me to watch. Um, where I was like, okay, let's let's see where this journey kind of takes us. Speaking of journeys, new beginning with Monica, who I don't know that anyone will agree with me on this, but I'm going to say it regardless. Welcome to Andy's Girls. 
has a little bit of a Jen Aiden energy, which is not intended to be an insult, by the way, but just this kind of like, I'm here to have a good time and fuck with some people, and I've got a little bit of a twinkle in my eye. Then I thought to myself, I've seen you before. I've seen you in Franklin Lakes, and now I'm seeing you in wherever the hell we're pretending that we are in Salt Lake City. And I'm not against it. I feel like it's going to be performative and certainly strategic. And she has made some decisions prior to joining the show that feel like she knows what team she wants to play on and who she wants to bring the fuck down. And I think we will see those little dreams of Monica's come true. Um, She did make a point of discussing the fact that she would have been a witness or was a witness for the government and would have been a witness in Jen's trial that didn't happen because she changed her plea. Uh, The fact that she has now joined the show. I mean, we talk about, you know, the ways that sometimes relationships with new, entirely new housewives and existing housewives feel formulaic or like a little bit of a fraud. Like, oh, this is my good friend because a producer suggested we go to lunch. (laughs) So they're coming to my coming to our group friend circle from my other friend circle in my life. And that is the tie in connector so that it feels like this is still a universe that's connected by friendship. And that's all there is. And so we have that and that exists. And certainly Angie has benefited from that dynamic. And Monica's is slightly different. You know, she knew Jen and um, is coming to the friend circle because she was going to be um, a witness in a former cast member's um, federal government trial. I mean, we love new beginnings. We, I mean, that check that off the bucket list. I didn't imagine seeing that in my lifetime. <laughs> and, and there we are. Also, I do genuinely think Monica, she does appear to be good casting. She is also going to be possibly a little inauthentic in fucking with people again, because I do think she carries some of that Jen, Jen Eden energy deep within. And I sort of have no problem with it. Let's, you know, light some shit on fire and see what happens. Um, It was fascinating to watch her discuss the ways that she's going to make her own opinions about Heather, because everything that Jen told her about Heather, which was seemingly negative, was bullshit because Jen was bullshit. But also, Jen told me some stuff about Lisa's like dirty secrets that I'm guessing are true, even though Jen again is the person that told me. So, why am I not believing Jen when she says bad things about Heather, but choosing to rely on possibly false information she's told me about Lisa? Like, make that make sense. It doesn't, which is probably why Monica's in the cast. (laughs) And there we go. I mean, on to the next. Did I mention that What's-Her-Face, one of the Angies is there. She's there. She's pretending she bought a 7,000 allegedly mink bag for her daughter that was certainly obviously, obviously purchased for her daughter to have immediately, which is why She's bringing it with her to lunch, a $7,000 pink feathery bag with the gold and stuff that was absolutely not a terrible waste of money, 
Um, she's there. She's a mess. I don't, you know, I, I think Angie's kind of a joke. So it's like, okay, she's there. She's, you know, they needed a body in the room and she is a body in the room and mazel tov to her for that. Um, you know, and it's a little bit of a to be continued here with the end of the episode ending with the trailer for the rest of the season. Honestly, I felt better about it than I did the first time I watched it. I feel better about it now than um, how I felt about it prior to talking through the premiere with y'all. So let's just see what happens. Like I can actually tell, can you tell the way that my vocal register is raised? I'm like, okay, <laughs> it happened. I feel okay about it. You know, a little bit of a mission impossible there at the start. Don't totally understand what happened in Bermuda, May 10. Maybe we'll find out, but also owing to last season of Salt Lake, maybe we won't. Um, and and we'll see. We'll see what's happening. You know, it's, winter is here and um, we're all going to get out our little Diet Coke with whatever and the lemon and the ice and whatnot and, um, and enjoy the rest of the season. I mean, I feel like, you know, I'm in a better position being more optimistic or or open about what it is that we're going to watch now than I was even earlier today, certainly in the weeks and months prior. And that feels like a little bit of a Salt Lake City miracle. And speaking of miracles, obviously, a lot of Salt Lake and the conversation around Salt Lake is built upon our relationship with religion and spirituality and the ways we kind of like maneuver next chapters for ourselves and our family and work and whatever else. And, you know, I have a lot of faith in the Real Housewives overall. And I know I have had um, a little bit of a prayer circle when it comes to New Jersey. And I think I did this for another franchise, but I do think it would be helpful for us to have a little bit of a healing journey a la uh, Whitney Rose. Also, P.S. Sidebar, what's going on with her and Justin? Like, I truly, how is this, how is the house of cards or the petals off the rose? Like, how has that fallen all the way to the ground? R remaining questions there. Anyway, continuing on, speaking of the healing journey, I do think it's helpful for our new beginning by Ramona Singer, but also the cast of Salt Lake City, to really focus on the future and to just take a little bit of a moment and close our eyes, just kind of bring down the whatever blood pressure, unless it's too low and maybe that should be raised a little bit. So maybe have some sodium while you're listening, just to have a little bit of a moment of like resetting. We experienced it. We're here. We're in a new journey. Jen Shaw is not. Imagine what it was like at camp if they elected instead of a movie night to put on Bravo or Peacock. I don't know if she can get maybe a subscription to Peacock in their like vending machine thing at the place with the stuff. Entirely possible. I mean, how else to have like a great mood about the future of this season than to know that a successful Salt Lake City would make Jen Shaw so terribly, terribly mad. But again, putting that aside and focusing on our healing, in the words of Whitney, our just ability to move on and step into season, whatever the fuck this is, I think it's four, could be five, words are numbers, what happening sort of stuff, to just really focus on what is to come and to have a little bit of what I think of as a Salt Lake City prayer, a prayer for this upcoming season of Salt Lake. So let us breathe in, in through our nose, 
just maybe count, do the little counting thing that we've done before. You remember, sense memory. Maybe close our eyes, breathe in through our nose. One, two, three, four, five. Hold it. One, two, three, four. Blow out all of our frustration and anger and upset about what the fuck we've seen on seasons prior and truly all the damage that Jen Shaw has done. Breathe that out. One, two, three, four, five. One more round. Breathe in. Oh, new memories. Questions about Mary. How could we not? But also fun times. What else is there to say? One, two, three, four. Hold it for four. Hold it in the way that Angie is holding on to that terrible, terrible $7,000 mink purse thing. One, two, three, four. Blow it out. One, two, three, four, five. And with your eyes remaining closed, join with me. You know, I'm not terribly religious, but I, I do have faith. And I do have, as stated in the book i also call a tome written by dame brian moylan called the housewives the real story of real housewives i do have faith in the real housewives that was a direct quote but i do just want to have us join together in a little bit of a prayer as we move forward with salt lake and who better else what what better words to borrow from than just a prayer that i hold really dear meredith can go fuck herself. I'm done with her. Because I'm not a fucking whore and I don't cheat on my husband. Her and her dumb fucking family that poses? Why don't you own a house? Oh wait, you can't. Because your husband changes jobs every five minutes. Meredith is a piece of fucking shit. I had your back and I'm offended by that. Fuck you. That fucking piece of shit garbage whore. I fucking hate her. She's a whore. She fucked half of New York. She can go fuck herself. And let us all say amen. On that note, guys, thanks so much for joining me. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. On a little journey that I call Salt Lake. Thanks so much for listening. Listen, speaking of listening, speaking of conversation, send me your Salt Lake City premiere satchels of gold, your thoughts and feels, questions and concerns, named in honor of Her Holiness Kelly Kalorn Ben Simone, because I would love to do a satchel spectacular this week with satchels of gold about Atlanta, New York City, Salt Lake City, and another one, Orange County. <laughs> four franchises this week. Pray for the dame. Okay. Send some prayer candles to the cloth, but remind me to blow them out. I know fire hazard, whatever. Um, so send me your satchels of gold. You can slide into my DMs on Instagram at Dame Galley. And if you have a thesis, which I love to receive, email me Andy's Girls Show at gmail.com. Please remember both in the DMs and the email to include your first name in town. Because I like to say them before I share and respond to and deep dive your satchel on an upcoming Patreon app. And again, joining the Andy's Girls Patreon, number one way to support the podcast. You get those exclusive bonus episodes like this Satchel Spectacular coming your way and so much more, which you can receive at patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. Thanks so much to all of you for listening to this episode. I really, truly have a little bit of nervousness of how many times I fucked up some of those names. So I do want to thank you in advance for 
just kind of swapping in whatever name I fucked up. Um, God bless a long form solo episode. <laughs> it's truly a little bit of a healing journey <laughs> that I will take with my head after this. Anyway, guys, thanks so much again. I'm really curious for your thoughts. So slide into my DMs and let me know what you're thinking about this and the other episodes on the roster for this week. And I will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>